0: as we get ready to start this, let's ask God to bless this time. Lord, we just thank you. Guide, lead us, show us what you would want us to see from this section. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 17. Now it came to pass a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out from every town of Galilee and Judea and Samaria. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the house through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is Give sins, but God alone. And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, saying, What reason you in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say that your sins be forgiven, or to say, Rise up and walk. But you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sin, he said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto you, Arise and take up your couch and go to your house. And he immediately rose up before them, and took it took up that upon which he lay, and departed unto his own house, glorifying God, and they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. I look at this, and the first thing I think about is how many times you've been told in your lifetime that Jesus never said that he was God. Well, this is about as clear as you're going to get with him saying that he is God, and there are many places where if you were a Jew listening to Jesus, you would have known that he claimed to be God. But I want to just really push this one right now because there are so many groups out there that say that Jesus is not God. All the cults that say they're Christian deny that Jesus is God. And they will tell you, and especially you start talking to those groups, and they'll tell you all over, Jesus never said he was God. Well, this is one of the many places, and as we go through the book of Luke, we're going to see many places where he did very clearly to the Jewish people say he was God. And if you remember, one of my ones that I like, when he was talking to the people, and they go, we're Abraham's child, and Jesus told them, before Abraham was, I am. And when he said, I am, they picked up stones (laughs) to stone him, because they said that they knew that he had just claimed to be God. So we want to be able to understand, Jesus very clearly understood that he was God. And he was not a, not a deception in his mind. And in today's world, the church is even starting to deny that Jesus is God. So we want to be careful. This is critical. Only God could have paid for the sins of the world because he would have only been one that was strong enough and infinite enough to pay an infinite price. So this is what we see from this. But if we start out with Jesus is healing people, and it says that the political, the political people, the Pharisees, are coming out from Galilee. He, Everywhere he went, he had enemies in the audience trying to find some reason to go against him. And it's kind of interesting, when we listen to the news in today's world, I don't know how many people you do, but I listen to a lot of news that is geared toward what's going on in Christian circles. And there are a lot of pastors that are having police Health department people going to their church to try to shut them down because they are daring to have church when their government is saying don't do it. And we told you all, even before we found out that Doug Duke was not going to shut down our church, that I was going to have church. Whether you all came or not, we were going to have church here no matter what he said. Thankfully, he never made it a problem for us. In California, Minnesota, a lot of those pastors are still in court because they said they were going to obey God rather than man. There's going to come a time when we're going to have to make hard decisions on who are we going to obey. And I'm preparing us now because I think it's closer than we think it's going to be. That troubles are going to happen for us as Christians. Now there are certain things that that aren't a big deal. If they told us you have to wear masks in church then I would probably go ahead and wear a mask because there's nothing in the Bible that says you shall not wear a mask. Now, if they told us we can't meet, that's a whole other thing because God said, meet. That's a whole different problem. I go to the scriptures, he says, meet, we're going to meet. So, Jesus is getting there and he has enemies watching everything he says. Seeing what he does. Trying to come up with some means to punish him for it because he wasn't being nice to them. He wasn't quite as bad as John the Baptist yet. John the Baptist had really good names for them. You know, he, he called, who warned you, you vipers? You know, why did why, you come to listen to me? Now, toward the end, Jesus is going to call them vipers and whitewashed sepulchers and all that other fun language as he goes out and calls them what they are. But right now, he's being nice to them. He's not calling them out at this point. And there, they're there listening. They have their notebooks all out there, and on this day he said said this, and on this day he said this, and it doesn't match what we teach. They were looking for all of this. This is something that is very hard in our day and age because we have enemies out there getting it. But you know what's really bad to me? I don't mind enemies going out against us. Enemies have always been against God's people. But when other churches start attacking other churches, I have problems you know i've told pastors i go it doesn't matter what you do that you know do in your church because you're answerable to god you know and i've told people long before you know if your pastor's off go find another church and you know leave that pastor alone if i get off leave the church or get rid of me one or the other <laughs> but i'm going to be teaching the word of god if you want to get rid of me because i teach the word of god then that's another problem altogether but we teach the word and we look at what he's saying Jesus has the Pharisees. Now, these are the people that are, have gone to seminary. They're the ones that are smart, supposedly, about the Word of God. Now, most of them really still didn't know what the Word of God said. They just knew what other rabbis in the past had said because that's what they studied. The sad thing in many of our seminaries nowadays, we're not teaching people how to study the Word of God. We're teaching them how to study commentaries and what other people say about the Word of God. And that's if you even get one who believes in the Bible in the first place. And it's getting harder and harder in our day to find churches that still bring the word of God into your midst. And this is something that that I will always do. I want to preach his word. So Jesus is here doing miracles on a huge crowd. And these guys bring somebody trying to get him before Jesus who cannot walk. He's laying in some kind of some kind of bed. It says couch bed, you know, blankets, whatever they brought him in. When he gets up, he's able to wrap it up by himself, so it's probably just a blanket. And the crowd is so thick, they can't get anywhere near Jesus. And apparently Jesus is in a house teaching at this point in time. And I can just picture it. Like in here, the, the the house is full, the windows are all open, and the people are standing outside the windows. Maybe there's people translating for the rest of the crowd to, you know, this is what he said. I don't know wh- how big that is, but these guys can't get anywhere near the house. And, you know, I've always tried to picture this in my time. I do know they have flat roofs and they have your gardens and you would your, spend a lot of time up on the roof of your house in that area. But somehow they were able to get to the back stairs to the, Top roof. They go up on there and dig a hole in the roof. Now I, I don't know how you would feel if you were the owner of the house. You know, uh, you're here listening to Jesus, you're enjoying Jesus, and all of a sudden somebody's digging a hole through the top of your roof, uh, causing a leak. <laughs> Except in this case, the leak is bringing a man down. And they drop the man down with rope so that he's before Jesus and you know I kind of put yourself as the owner he's probably wondering now who's gonna patch my roof you know now Uh, but also think about the reaction of the crowd the crowd has been wanting to get near enough to Jesus to be healed and here's somebody cutting the line (laughs) let's just say what it is you know there are gonna be a lot of people that even though this man had been healed are gonna be a little upset that he didn't wait his turn, not that he had much choice in the matter, you know. And I kind of just bring that out because sometimes we forget about other reactions on this. You know, think about how if you've been to a show or something and you've been waiting a long time in line, you know, and sometimes somebody's been saving, some, supposedly saving somebody a place in line, and you've been waiting for hours, and all of a sudden this person just jumps up to the front of the line. You now nowadays the news we see we see the shooting reports from all of that going on but just picture this you've been waiting around you've been hoping to see Jesus as his on his way out you've been hoping that he's gonna be able to say something and heal you on your way out and all of a sudden you know especially if you're close enough to the window and you see this guy coming down from the roof on ropes your initial reaction isn't gonna be praise God he got healed your initial reaction as a human being is go, why couldn't he have waited his turn? You know, uh, and I just find it very interesting as we think about this whole section on here, there's a tenacity in his that really are going to get him healed. Whether it's out of their great love for him or that he had a family, we don't know if he's been sick from from birth or if this is a new sickness, but they're going to help him And do everything. Now, the roof, of course, was only a clay roof and everything. It wasn't like it was a big deal to open that roof up, but to patch it up is going to be a big deal. uh, Anytime there's a hole in your roof, it needs to be patched. And so there's going to be some cost to this, and hopefully, it's paid for the patching of the roof or did the work themselves. Doesn't tell us. How many of you have ever thought about the rest of a story in the Bible? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. Okay, God, who, who took care of this roof that uh, these guys mangled? You know, and I've shared with many of you, you know, one of the people, people always say, when I get to heaven, I want to meet, and they always pick people like Paul and Peter and John. You know the people I want to meet? I really, really want to meet the widow who gave the last pennies in the offering that Jesus said she gave the most to. I want to know the rest of that story. What happened to her after that? I do not believe that she went home and died over the next day or two from starvation. I think God, because God made a big deal out of it, I think God blessed her because of that gift. And I'd love to be able to go, what happened? What happened after you did that? I, I am looking forward to meeting some of the minor, minor characters and saying, what happened? What happened after this miracle that we just have a quick glimpse of? They bring him in, they put him down and Jesus This Jesus said to them because he saw his faith because he had nothing to do with this miracle. When he saw the faith of his friends, he brought the man into healing. This is a wonderful statement. There are so many people that believe that if you don't have enough faith, your lack of faith can help you not get a miracle. You know, God's going to do the miracle when he wants to do the miracle. I think about the, the Red Sea when God split the Red Sea. What were the people telling Moses before that? They go, you brought us out here because there weren't enough graves in Egypt to bury us all. They did not have a lot of faith that God was going to split the Red Sea. It was Moses who reached out and said, I'm going to obey God. And I don't even know if Moses really fully believed you know, uh, what was going on. How many times has God given you your answer to your prayer even though you did not think that it was going to even be possible or happen. I've had it many times. God, I just don't know how you're going to be able to do this, but I'm going to put it in your hands. That's not a very powerful prayer. But you know what? Just asking God is quite a statement of faith. God, I need your help in this area you know, I love the man in the Bible and Jesus says, do you believe that I can do? And he says, I believe, help me with my unbelief. God knows that we don't fully believe anything, hardly. He knows that we need his help. And this is the beautiful thing. It's not by works of righteousness we are saved. It is by faith and I've been saying this a lot lately, it's also not by works of righteousness that we are kept in our salvation, it is by faith. So many Christians start thinking, I got to get saved by faith, which is the only way you can be saved. But how many people then get so wrapped up in works and trying to keep their salvation? I got to do all these good things, otherwise God God is going to stop loving me. God loved us while we were his enemy. He doesn't love us anymore when we become his child or any less when we're not his child. He loves us enough to die for us. You know, and this is something that is so important for us to understand. God died for us before we had made a decision for him. He paid our debt of, of, for salvation before any of us were born. Before we had done anything wrong, before we had done anything good, he died for us. He loves us completely. Once we get saved, he doesn't all of a sudden say, "Well, oh gee, I love this person more now that they're saved." How can anybody he has a complete love for us? How can you get add to complete love? You can't. That's almost like saying, "Okay, I'm going to get married to this person because I love you completely, but now that we're now that we're married, okay, now I want you to now I want you to earn my love." Unfortunately, that's what many people do. <laughs> but it's not the way it's supposed to be. God loves us so much that He laid down His life for us. He asks us to do the same for each other. Now, none of us quite do it as perfectly as He does, but you know, true love lays down your desires for others. A marriage will hold together when people fully recognize that they're there to love the other person, not be loved. Most people go into a marriage thinking, well, this person is going to meet all my needs. Doesn't take you long to realize that that person is not going to meet your needs. And if that's what you're waiting for, you're in trouble. The marriage is in trouble completely. The only one that can meet all of our needs is God himself. And he has a funny way of meeting our needs most of the time. We don't realize that he's meeting our needs the way he does it. And this is the hard thing for us. Sometimes we look at a situation and go, God, I don't, understand. I don't understand what you're doing. There's one big answer for you to understand about that. I tell this joke, it's in the seminary. There's two things you learn in seminary. There's one God, and you're not God. And, you know, if we really got to where we realized that, we'd be better off. How many of us, when we pray, like to tell God how to answer our prayer? God, I need this, and this person over here, they have lots of, lots of what I need. Just, give, just have them give it to me. You know, I, I used to pray a lot like that. God, you know, this would be an easy way for you to answer my prayer. You know, what, you know how many times God answered the prayer the way I asked Him to answer it? Zero. God never hired me to be His advisor. He never hired anybody else to be His advisor. He knows the beginning from the end. He doesn't need any advisors. Our job is to trust Him. Trust that He knows what's best for us. And it is hard. It is hard to say, God, I am just going to trust you. None of the scribes and Pharisees understood that Jesus came to die for their sins. That did not make any sense for them. If you witness to very many people and say, this is the way you get saved. You put your trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You know what you hear most of the time? Some from people who aren't ready well that is too easy yep it is really really easy it's so easy that you won't do it so many people won't do it because it is so easy now it's kinda of like especially for us poor men that don't like to read the manuals on things and we go and we go well it would have been really easy if I read the manual first Because here's the six steps I needed to do it instead of the way I finally got it to work. We need to learn to trust God, give up our pride, and do things his way. Now Jesus in this point told the man, Man, your sins are forgiven you. This upset the Pharisees. we read this we don't really understand but this luke tells us why he said it he said it so that they would know that the son of man had the power to forgive sins now the scribes and pharisees also understood that the only one person can forgive sins and that's god himself the one who has been sinned against do you realize that every time you sin the only person that can forgive it is god even if you've hurt somebody else they technically can't forgive you of the consequences of the sin they can get rid of their anger toward you by saying yes I forgive you but if you ever notice our, our governments do the same thing when they bring a case against somebody it is the state or the federal government against that person is the is the way the crime is talked about because they understand that the one whose laws were broken is the one that has been offended God has the same attitude. Your sins affect me. David, after he murdered Uriah, had adultery with Bathsheba, murdered Uriah, he prayed to God in Psalm 51 against you and you only have I sinned. David understood that his sin was against God, not against Uriah or Bathsheba or Uriah's family. He understood that the sin was against God. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And it tells us right there, Pharisees were kind of arguing amongst themselves, "Who, who is this that can forgive sin? Who is this that speaks blasphemy? Blasphemy is something said against God. And they're going, he is speaking blasphemy. He believes that he can forgive sins. Now We think about that. Put yourself, you're the religious leaders out there and all of a sudden you're going, you're hearing, listening to somebody who's saying the worst possible thing that can be said, I am God. You know, and we think about this, if you were sitting in an audience in a church and the guy, the guy up front says, I'm God, worship me. Most of us would walk right back out the back door and say, nope, I'm not, I'm not listening to this guy. We are going to have this happen with the Antichrist. When he comes and rules, he's going to be friendly with the Israelites. He's going to allow them to build their temple. And then at the halfway mark, he's going to stand up in the temple and say, I am God, give me your uh, your worship. And God is going to open the eyes of the Jews. They're going to realize that this is not their Messiah, and they're going to flee the city of Jerusalem. Because they finally get their eyes open that this is not who they thought, thought it was. This is critical. C.S. Lewis gave us a, a statement that Jesus had to either be who he is or he's not. He called it the three L's. He goes, he's either a liar, purposely lying to the people that he was the God, an absolute lunatic, thinking he's God and not lying to the people, or he is Lord. We all have to make that decision. Was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or was he, is he the Lord? For those of us sitting in this church, and I know most of you, most of us have decided he is Lord. Which is the true answer. But you know, many of these groups that don't believe that he's the son of God, they'll try to, say, they'll try to have it both ways. He was a good teacher. Well, good teachers don't lie to you. You know, the, the Muslims try to say he was a good prophet. Well, any prophet who doesn't speak the truth is a bad prophet. And Jesus claiming to be God is a, would make him a bad prophet if he is not God. Or he was a crazy man. And I don't see anything in the scriptures that lead me to the idea that he's a crazy man. So I'm going to say there was two options. He was either a liar or he's Lord. I know that he's Lord because he's come into my life and he's proven that he is Lord. So we all have to make this decision. Who is Jesus? Then, of course, comes the question of if he is Lord. Do we treat him as, he's, as if he's Lord? One of the hardest things for us, especially as Americans is to allow him to be Lord because we have a real hard problem in America called self-reliance I pulled myself up on my own bootstraps I nobody's going to tell me what to do nobody's gonna tell me how to live nobody's gonna tell me what to do because I am God of my own life and how many of us bring that into our relationship with Jesus even subconsciously now when this was written they were used to kings they were used to kings saying, "You're going to do this." Matter of fact, in when the King James Bible was written, King James wanted the, everything to be about him anyway because he thought he owned everything. And he actually did. You didn't own anything in in England at that time. You had a business that's been a business for 400 years. You still didn't own that land or the building. If the king decided he wanted your land, he kicked you out. Even though your family had had it for a long, long time, he, he considered it his. This is the type of people that no no one understand what a lord is. When God tells us to do something, do you do it? I'm going to throw that out because I've been I'm learning to do better. <laughs> I'm learning to listen faster. In my younger days I argued with God a lot <laughs> and tried to do things my way. <laughs> you know, uh You know, God doesn't lose. (laughs) He doesn't lose in the long run. So we need to make sure that we understand when he says to do something, we need to just say, yes, Lord, and do what he's asking us to do. Because one way or the other, he's going to get his way. So he's telling the people, and I I love what he said to them, you know, which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven you or rise up and walk? Now in English, it sounds like, well, it'd be a whole lot easier to say, rise up and walk. But just out of curiosity, I grabbed my Greek Bible, and I looked, and both, both sentences have exactly the same amount of syllables in Greek. So there's also a play on words on this that Jesus is making with them. He's going, which, were, which would have been easier? I can say nine syllables, you know, your sins are forgiven, or nine syllables, rise, rise up and walk. So he's actually kind of making a play on words to them. But also, what is he saying? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or rise up and walk? You know, for human beings, neither one of those would be a a statement. We as human beings cannot forgive sins, and we as human beings cannot heal somebody. But God can do both. So this is, even in this statement, he is saying, I have the power of God. I could tell him to get up and walk, and he's going to walk. I can tell him his sins are forgiven, and his sins are forgiven. And then he goes on, and then Jesus says, But I say this, that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive. It is funny reading the Gospels and really looking at what Jesus did. How many times he purposely irritated the leadership of the Jewish religion. Now, he never sinned. But he came right to them and said, "You say I've got to do things this way. It's not scriptural. I'm going to do things just to irritate you." If people wonder if God has a sense of humor, He does. He has a great sense of humor. Now, if you think about God, He He created a platypus. Now, a platypus is a very strange animal. It's a mammal with with uh, flippers and 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 all these things and you you don't know what it is it's a mixture of all kinds of different animals and God I think put it there just to irritate scientists <laughs> just to irritate scientists and what do I do with this thing you know, how many times has God answered your prayer in the strangest possible way and I can almost picture God grinning they'll never they'll never figure this one out they'll never figure out how this is gonna happen he saves us by sending himself to die for us We, I shared with you, God knew beginning from the end, even before he created man, he knew that man was going to sin, and Jesus was going to have to die for him, and still he created us. I look at God and say, God, what in the world is wrong with you? <laughs> Why would you have done this? And I struggle with that at times. God, I just don't understand. I would never have created beings knowing that they were all going to fail and it was going to hurt me to have to buy them back. But God did it anyway. How many things in the scriptures that we look at and go, God, what, how, why? We don't understand him. And you know what? I am glad that I don't understand God. Because if I could understand everything there was to know about God, God's not big enough. If I could go, and I've heard people, especially when I was in college, well, you know what? I just can't understand God. and go, that's great. They go, what? I go, because if you could understand God, he's not big enough. I want a God that I can't understand. I want there to be things in the Bible that just don't make sense to me as a human being. There's no contradictions in there, but there are a lot of things in here that just don't make a whole lot of sense when I look at it. But that is is just my, my proof that it is God's book, that he wrote this book. He is the one that created it because there are things that I can't understand. He looked down after he told the men that, Look down at the man and says, rise up and go home. We don't know how long this man had been in that bed. We don't know, again, whether he was born this way or if he had gotten sick. But he immediately stood up. Took up his mat and all the ropes probably that were attached to this bed and went home. Praising God. Do you remember to praise God when God answers your prayers? I hope so. Unfortunately, many of us don't, including myself. There's been times when I have forgotten to tell God thank you. He goes home praising God. And the people were looking on were amazed and glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things. These strange things are uncommon, wonderful, incredible, Do you realize that in the scriptures it tells us when the Antichrist comes, he is going to do miraculous things that people can't understand and see. The Antichrist is going to do a lot of the things that Jesus did in whatever power he uses. He is going to look like he's supernatural. He's going to look like he's doing miraculous things. And many people will be deceived by what they see. Because we, as human beings, walk by sight more than we walk by faith. It is wonderful to walk by faith and see through the lies of the world. Because God says, this is the answer. When we make our decisions based on what the word of God says, and it says in, the, in, in Proverbs, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on into your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. How many times do we make decisions based on what we think we see? Oh, if I could have just eliminated most of those bad decision-making by what I thought I saw, it would be important. And I'm sure all of you are in that same boat that there are many decisions you wish that you hadn't made even though they seemed good at the time you made them. Walk by faith. Talk to God. Listen to Him. You go, well, how do I know when I hear God's Word? Well, if you talk to him enough and you listen to him enough, you'll know his voice. We will know his voice. And I love it talking to people, especially in the age of this church, because we can remember the days when you picked up the phone not who, not knowing who was on the phone. Because your phone didn't say so-and-so's number and so-and-so's name on it. But how long did it take you to figure out who you were talking to if they were a friend? Usually the first word or two they said, you go, oh, yeah, this is mom, This is this is dad, this is my brother, this is my, you know. It didn't take you long. Why? Because you knew their voice. Now we just look at the phone and we can even answer the phone. Well, hi, John. Hi, hi Martha. Hi, hi, Lucy. You know, whatever it is that we're going to say because we see it told, told to us who's calling. If we know God's voice, we listen and obey. The question is, are we going to listen and obey to what he says? And these people left this group rejoicing they're going who is this that can forgive sins for the jewish people they had their sins forgiven once a year when they had Yom kippur they went to the temple and they offered a sacrifice that would cover their sins for one year at the end of that year and even then it wasn't totally forgiven it was just covered and then they had to go back the next year and offer another sacrifice to cover their sins for another year. And here is a man saying that your sins are forgiven. Jesus died so our sins can be forgiven. This is what makes Christianity so different from every other religion out of there is God does all the work. He shed his blood so that we can be forgiven. If you ever do any study in it, and I'm not going to say they're all the same, but they all have one thing in common. Religion is always man trying to do enough good to please the deity. Always, across the board. Unfortunately, many Christian churches forget that it's about the blood of Christ and try to get you into earning your salvation and doing works. You go to these people who believe that they have to work their salvation out, and you ask, well, how much good do you have to do? And they go, I don't know. How would you like to live in a relationship not knowing whether you were going to go to heaven or not? Based on, did I do enough good? Okay, I was over the mark, and then I had a really bad day. I've had a really bad day, and boy, just before that accident when I got killed, I really had some bad thoughts going through my mind. And you get to heaven, and then that was that last thought you thought before you died that, that, that kept you from going in. I'm glad that we don't live that way. (laughs) I'm glad that my salvation rests in what Jesus Christ did for me and for you. And all I have to do is accept that offer of grace. And he comes and lives inside of me and gives me the power to live a more righteous life as he sanctifies me. But God says, I am justified at that moment. He says, I'm perfect. This is the power of the gospel of Christ. He did it all. He did it all. When you talk to people, if somebody says, well, where will you go when you die? I go, well, you know, I hope I go to heaven. They need to know the gospel. Because if we're truly his child, the one thing I know, I'm going to heaven. And when I tell people that, I go, well, how can you know that? I go, because it's all Jesus who did it. It's his gift to me because I've accepted his sacrifice. Very important for us to understand the gospel of God. And so we're going to end here with this. Just remember, Jesus said often, I am God. Here he said, I am God. I can forgive sins, is what Jesus said. And he very clearly to the Pharisees understood he was claiming to be God. At that time, there weren't enough of them around the crowd to be able to pick up rocks and take him and stone him. (laughs) All right. there are other places where there were enough of them that going, you know, we're going to take up stones and because he is being blasphemy, he is saying he is God. And it is true. If any of us said we're God, we're 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 blas- we're blasphemers, because none of us are. Jesus could say it because he was God, not only was is, <laughs> he is God. So he could say, "I am God." The good news for us as Christians is. We, the Holy Spirit indwells us, so we have the presence of God in us when we're saved. We have the power of God in us. We do not become God, but we have all of his power indwelling in us. And tonight in Acts, we're going to look at how the power of God came out of the disciples that received it. So we're going to be talking in very strong ways. And unfortunately, some of the things we're going to cover tonight will, if you're a really hard baptist <laughs> cuz baptists talk about the power of the holy spirit and all of that but they deny most of the power of the holy spirit and the fact that he still works this is a baptist church but i am not the strongest world baptist i'm a bible believer first and then doctrine of the church second we're going to talk about the power of god and the holy spirit's power in us tonight so we want to we want to encourage you if you come come tonight Right now, let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, if there's anybody listening by the radio, online, that doesn't know you, or even in this room that doesn't know you, that we ask today that they will surrender their pride to you and say, God, I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness of my sin. I accept that Jesus died on that cross, was punished for me, was buried, and rose again from the dead three days later so that I could have the same victory in my life and come into my heart and save me. And Lord, for all of those in this room that know you, Lord, help us learn to know you more as Lord and be more obedient to you as Lord. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, where will you be when you die? We ask this question of a lot of people oftentimes, and the biggest answer we'll get is, I hope I will be in heaven. If hope is your answer, you don't know God, and that's is a problem. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you do not know for sure that you're going to go into heaven, please, today, make your decision to follow him. It is simply just ask him, Lord, I am a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make him your Lord. If you've said that prayer, let us know so that we can send you a new believers packet. You can contact us at